So the acts of the Holy Spirit. You can be reading through the book of Acts and get encouragement. You're going to get excited when you start reading the book of Acts. Now, when you, when you read the book of Acts, now, in my Bible, it says the Acts of the, of the Apostles. And they have names for them like that. Uh, really, uh, when, it, when, it, when it was first written, it didn't have a name. And um, so they put Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and some say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So we want to find out more about what the Holy Spirit did, because I tell people, when you are reading the Bible, it's never a dry devotional time. Never. For me, it's never a dry devotional time. Uh, I always get something from the Word of God. Always. It never fails. I can read one verse, I'm getting something from God. Because I know what I'm looking for. If I don't know what I'm looking for, of course I won't get anything. So I teach people that in order to always be receiving from God during your devotional time, ask the right questions. The question that you want to ask is, God, I want to know you more so Teach me about you. What are you doing? What are you saying in this particular verse? What are you responding to when they did this? Why did they do this? Because my my emphasis is I want to know you more. I want to know your ways. I want to know what pleases you. I want to know what displeases you. So anything I read, I can turn to, you know, Proverbs, which I'm in now doing my devotional time, Proverbs. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to find out what pleases God, what doesn't please God. I can read from uh, Leviticus. I can find out what pleases God, what doesn't please God. I'm going to find out more about God when I read the scripture. So I would encourage you to do that, and you're going to have a, a wholesome devotional life, whether it's five minutes, whether it's five hours. It really doesn't matter. You're going to receive if you have the right frame of mind and know what questions to ask. Same way when you are reading the book of Acts, how does the Holy Spirit flow? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? You know, how can I be sure that I am sensitive to the Holy Spirit? How can I be sure that the Holy Spirit is leading me? Because if this is the acts of the Holy Spirit, then I know that the Holy Spirit is at work. Did the men and women know that the Holy Spirit was at work? Did they sense it? How did they sense it? Did they miss it? You know, how did they miss it? When did they miss it? How did they correct it? These are questions that I ask when I'm reading the book of Acts, and I've read it you know, several times uh, before I start uh, desiring to teach it, because I want to know about the Holy Spirit. One of our, our ways of hearing from God when you're trying to make decisions one, of course, is uh, the Holy Spirit witnessing with your spirit. That's one of them. It's a sensitive area because how do you know when the Holy Spirit is witnessing with your spirit? How do you really know that? Because it, it, it's, it's similar to what we just feel like this is what we should do. Well, is that really the Holy Spirit? How do you know? And so I teach seven things in hearing from God. And without any one of those seven, you can miss God. 
particularly if you think that, well, this is what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. Well, in the Acts of the Holy Spirit, is that true? You know, is that really true? So I want you to really go to school on the book of Acts with me as we're teaching through the book of Acts. Now, we said the Acts of the Apostles, which is the title of my, uh, uh, in, in my Bible, the Acts of the, of the Apostles, is a primary church history to cover the earliest days of the faith. A lot of churches base their uh, doctrine a lot of times and, and what they want to do on that uh, Acts of the, of, the, of the Apostles. Now, a lot of doctrine you won't find in the book of Acts in the full, uh, in the fullness of what the doctrine would be. But there are seeds of doctrine in Acts. So I want you to see, can you recognize those seeds that come to full fruition in the epistles? Let's see, can we recognize those doctrines, those teachings in the book of Acts? Now, to go from really the Old Testament uh, 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 and, and right into the Gospels and then skip right over Acts into the epistles, we will, we'll be, uh, uh, it'll be a big leap. We won't know much about the church, the early church. And then we won't know how we're supposed to function. Even though we read some of, of it in, in, in the epistles, we won't have the fullness of how did the church start? You know, how did the church at Ephesus start? You know? What, what, what was the Ephesians? What was that all about? You know, Acts will tell us a lot of those questions. It's going to bridge the life of Christ and the Christ life taught in the epistles. It's going to bridge that. It's going to bridge it. So we're going to see a lot of things as we get to it. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. The author of Acts is the, the author of one of the Gospels. What's that, gospel? What's that Gospel? Luke. Okay. In Acts chapter 1, it'll tell us the first account I compose. Now, what is that first account? When it says that first account I compose, we should know that, oh, He's talking about when he wrote the Gospel of Luke. So if you, you know that, you'll say, okay, I know what he's talking about. The officers, who is he? You know, not much at all is known about him. You don't find many things at all about this, this person. But you know that he, he called him something. What did he call him? Uh, I, I heard that, Lord, what did you say? Okay, what now? Love of God. Okay, that's what the name means if you look up the, 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 the name, what, what actually that name means. Okay, but now let's go a little bit further. What did he call him uh, in, in the book of Acts? What, what did he say about him? Okay, let's look at it a little closely in the book of Acts here. It says that, the first account I composed, the officers, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After 
this is verse 2, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. We're going to come back to that. Let's look at Luke. Chapter 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It says, It seemed fitting for me, as well having investigated everything carefully, now, he's a physician. He's investigating everything carefully. From the beginning, to write it out to you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. Most excellent. Why did he call him most excellent? Because he's over in, in, in Acts chapter 1, the first account I composed, Theophilus, he could have said most excellent. We already know in, in Luke that was what he called him. Why did he call him most excellent? You know? These are questions that, that, that when you read the Bible, it helps you to gain more information from the Bible. Now, Theophilus, the theologians believe that he was probably a Roman official only because most excellence indicate an official position when the Acts was written. Okay. In other words, when, when, you, when, you, when you're addressing somebody who has authority, who has an official position, they would say most excellent or your highness or something. You, you've seen pictures there. They say all sorts of things, you know. But this man must have had some type of official title for him to call him most excellent. So we get some understanding of why Luke is, is writing this person. Then he, he must have uh, asked him to compile some things, ask him some information, and Luke is trying to give him that information which we are privy to and which is good. Let's look a little further. Chapter 2, when it says that after by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles. I thought that when Jesus, if you look at, like I said, Matthew, when he gave orders to the, to the, to the, um, his disciples, the apostles, the ones he has chosen, I thought he gave orders to them. Did you think he gave orders to them? Or did you think the Holy Spirit just gave orders to them? Did you, did you ever think of it? Think about it? Let's look again, verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now we look at Matthew. Uh, turn to Matthew, if you have your Bibles. Chapter twenty. Verse 16, 
it says that by, but the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain, which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to serve all that I have commanded you. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Where does it say when he says, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, Is he talking about those orders? I want you to learn to ask questions. As you're reading through the book of Acts, ask questions. Don't just read over a verse and say, well, I've done my duty. I've had my devotional time. I, I, I know I'm supposed to have a devotional time, so I've spent my 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60 minutes, so that's it. You know, I'm through. No, you're, you're reading, you're studying, you're trying to meditate on, you're trying to find out more about God. You're trying to find out, why are you saying this? What do you mean when you said this? Is that, is, when Jesus gave orders by the Holy Spirit, does that mean that the Holy Spirit did it? Or does it mean the Holy Spirit was moving through you when you, when you did that? You know? And how did, how did you know the Holy Spirit was moving through you to say that? Because I can say that you know, the Holy Spirit has told me to tell you how do I know and how do you know the Holy Spirit told me, told me to tell you that? Do you understand? You ask those questions. Because if you don't ask those questions, you're going to just assume that the Holy Spirit is moving through you when he might not be. Or you assume that the Holy Spirit is not moving through you and he is. So you want to know. So ask those questions. And I'm going to leave a lot of things to you to ask. Because I think it's, it's very fitting for you to do that. Now, verse 3. To these, he also presented himself alive after suffering, after his suffering. What does it mean, his suffering? When I read that, I said, okay, after his suffering. What is considered his suffering? Yeah. And so we know it's his passion, right? Another word would be passion. Well, what's the passion? The passion of Christ, you know. What, what, what events make up the passion? You see? Okay. Is the betrayal in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The rest, the trial. So we'll be talking about that a little bit more. Why use the service? I'm trying to teach you to ask questions. That's what I'm trying to teach you. And if you ask questions, you can find out answers. Suppose you don't ask that question and you still don't know. Then you read and you don't have the information that God wants you to have. Okay, let's go a little bit further. By many convincing proofs, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So somebody asked you, well, when Jesus resurrected, did he go up to heaven first? Did he come down and come back down and talk to him? Did, did, did he stay 
uh, for 50 days? Did he stay for a year? Did he stay for 10 days? Did he say, what, what did he say? 40 days. But the interesting thing about many proofs, what proofs are we talking about when he says by many proofs? Let's look at um, some of those proofs. He, he showed himself to Mary Magdalene, didn't he? That's in Mark. Some other women in Matthew, Peter in Luke, the Emmaus disciples in Luke. He also appeared to 10 disciples at one time in Mark, 11 disciples in John, 7 disciples in John, 500 at one time. Did we ever see that in the Gospels? Five? I don't think we ever saw that, did we? 500 at one time. How do you know it's 500? How do you know? When did he do that? When, when is it recorded? He, he, saw, he, was, he's, he, by many proofs, talked to 500 people at one time. It's in Corinthians, isn't it? It's not even in Gospels. It's in Corinthians. Is that? So when I, when I look at these proofs, I say, God, I need to I know. What, what are some of these proofs? What are some of these proofs? Before we go a little further, I want to uh, go to Luke. Let's go to Luke, chapter 24. Let's look at one of the proofs, just one of the proofs. This proof, he was on the road to, uh, had some disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they were just talking. And he, so he, he came and joined them. And he said, now, what are, are these words you are exchanging with one another? As you were walking, us in verse 17. And they stood still and looking sad. One of them named Cleophas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here these days? So they're looking at him like, who, who, Where are you from, Mars? Where, 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 where you been? You know? And so he said to them, What things? Now you know Jesus knew what things. They said to him, the things that about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word, in the sight of God and the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. So they're saying, you know, he said in three, three days, man, this is the third day, nothing, nothing happened, nothing happened. But he said, but also some of the women among us amazed us when they were um, at a tomb early in the morning and did find his body and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said. But him they did not see. Verse 25, and he said to them, oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, when I read that, a light went off. And the question that I asked myself, do I believe in all that the prophets have spoken? Now, let me ask you that question. Do you believe in all that the prophets have spoken, you know, about Jesus? 
about what God did, do we really do that? Then we sing about it, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe that he is who he said he is and who the prophet said he was? Let's just look at one of the prophets, okay? Let's just look at Isaiah. Let's look at a few things there and see what is said. Isaiah 7, 14, it says that therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign and behold, a virgin, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, when you look at the original Hebrew, it's really not a virgin. The word is the virgin. It's not a virgin, it's the virgin. And that tells us something because it's not just a virgin. It's just not a, 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 a young, uh, marriageable age young girl. It's the one specifically that God has planned. And it says, and they should call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, when you look up the name, means God with us. Emmanuel does not mean God left us, does it? Well, see, if you know what the name means, Isaiah told what the name was. Why wouldn't the disciples on the road to Emmaus, why wouldn't they know that it's not that God left us? It's that God is with us. So therefore... Why would they believe that, well, you know, we were hoping that he was the one, but it's, it's the third day now. Nothing has happened, really, in essence. See, they didn't understand. Do we understand in our situation that God is with us? If we understood that, would we be concerned about all the things that we see or don't see? All the things that are happening are not happening. Would we really be that concerned about it? Or would we say, this too shall pass? You know? It's well with my soul. You know, I want to, you know, God is with us, so, you know, I'm going to honor God my praise, my worship. My giving, I'm going to honor God with my, you know, my whole life. I'm with my life of living sacrifice. My body living sacrifice, holding itself in his sight, which is my reasonable act of worship. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to get uh, excited about, you know, because I'm believing for God for something and it hasn't come to pass yet, you know. God is with us. See, I can boo-hoo cry over my situation. I have plenty of situations, you know, plenty of situations that you know of and don't know of, you know. You could too, couldn't you, if you told them to us, couldn't you? You probably feel like boohooing sometimes, don't you? Every time you look at your checkbook, you probably do, you know. Uh, But, you know, but we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by, well, you know, our children are not what they should be, not what God said they're going to be. Is God really 
I, 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 I was expecting him to really do something, you know. But he hasn't done anything yet, and things are looking pretty bad, looking like it's not going to happen. Matter of fact, I don't think it's going to happen because they're acting really contrary to everything I say, you know. Is God with us or is he not? He's with us. He hasn't left us. We have to understand that. That's just one, <laughs> one thing in Isaiah. Do we really believe? If we really believe, it would change our attitude. It would change what we say, as Rebecca said, with our tongue. It would change a lot of things, you see. It would change them. Because we know that God is with us. Let me take one other thing. Um, there's many things in Isaiah. You can go through Isaiah sometime and look at what Isaiah said about Jesus. You know, It's really God saying it through Isaiah. But what did he say? I get excited sometimes when, when, when I'm reading this. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely his griefs, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God, Afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. A chastised our peace upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Do we believe Isaiah? Do we? You know, in other words, do we believe? Can Jesus say about us, "Oh, you great men and women of faith, that cornerstone, how swift you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken." Does he say that about us? I hope so. Because one of the things he's, he spoke is that, and it says in, in Matthew 7, or Matthew 8, 16 and 17, that, that when Eden came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And healed all who were sick. That's what it said. All who were sick. This was to fulfill what Isaiah, what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet, that he took our infirmities and he bare our diseases, which is the same scripture that is in Isaiah 54, 53, 5, 4 and 5, same scripture. He was just fulfilling it. That's all he was saying. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Do we believe all that Isaiah said? Did Jesus really bear our infirmities? Our infirmities are, are really our, our weaknesses that, that come from diseases or sicknesses. They're the weaknesses. Sometimes, you know, you can, you can, like I had pneumonia, you can get weak. They say, you know, you take about a, a month or two, you know, before you get back your strength, you know. I get, am I going to say, well, you, you know, you're right, or am I going to say, you know, Jesus took my weaknesses. I don't have to lay at home for two months, you know, till I get some strength up in a natural, because he is my strength. You know? He bore my, disease, my diseases, it says. He bore them on the cross. If he bore my diseases and... and when I saw what he said in Matthew, that he healed all who were sick, then it means it sells it. 
It settles it. It, it settles the issue of whether God heals the sick now. It settles it because he said he did it to fulfill what Isaiah has spoken. So that means that you should be able to pray for your co-workers. You should be able to pray for your family members. You should be able to pray for your relatives. You should be able to pray for people in the church and expect God to heal them. Because he actually said so, didn't he? He says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. He said, pray for one another, didn't he? Yeah. When we see, where is that found at? Thank you. James. <laughs> Come on. James, chapter what? Five. Come on. Is it, is it five? Come on. Are y'all with me today? Is it James five, chapter five? Oh, we're not on chapter five yet, right? Come on, we're on six months. Come on. Is it James chapter five or not? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, if any among you are sick, what are you supposed to do? Call for the elders of the church and, and, and they'll pray a prayer of doubt over you. Is that, is that what it says? What does it say? Pray the prayer of faith over you. Anoint it all. Yeah. And what does God do? Raise them up. Right? Raise them up. Come on. Do you, do... I know what it is. The clock is right. It's nine minutes after 12. So therefore, you checked out at 12 o'clock, didn't you? <laughs> you checked out at 12 o'clock. I'm trying, I'm trying to help us here with Acts because the same person wrote Acts, wrote Luke. And Jesus said, oh, you foolish man, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And I say that when we read Acts, we have to believe. We have to believe our situation because application is one thing to read the scripture. It's another thing to apply it. It's one thing to believe it with your head. It's another thing to apply it. You see? So we have to walk in the truth. So when he says that, um, that we're supposed to believe in all that the prophets have spoken about him, then I said Isaiah spoke that he bore our griefs, he took our sorrows, and therefore it's a done deal. Therefore, whatever your problem is today, whatever your situation is today, know that there are many, many, many people all over the world, non-Christians and Christians, that are going through similar things. Not everybody going through what you're going through, but there's somebody going through what you've gone, you're going through now, and somebody overcame. And somebody didn't overcome. If you're in the world... You can't possibly overcome. You don't have to overcome it in you. But the church can overcome. And I say we are overcomers. That's what I say. We are overcomers. And we're going to overcome anything that the enemy tries to do. Because I believe that God is true. I believe that he's powerful. I believe that there's none like him. That he's our rock. He's our cornerstone. He's everything it is. Is that correct? Look what it says in, in Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not 
be disturbed. Who is that cornerstone? Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to lean on him. That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. My goodness gracious. I mean, it is. Whew. Listen to Isaiah 44, 6 and 8. It says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and there is no God besides me. Behold, I mean, do you hear what? No God besides me. I don't care what your, what gods these, these, you know, your coworkers may be serving. There is no God other than Jehovah God. You know, none. It says, do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared, and you are my witnesses, and is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? And he answers it for us. I know of none. That's God speaking through Isaiah. That's what he says. I said, my, 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 my. God is good. Can I read you one more verse? Can, can, can you stand, stand here at the word a little bit more? He says that I'm saying to those who are bound, go forth. And those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Along the roads, they will feed. And their pastor will be on all bare heights. But in Zion, he says, the Lord has forsaken me. That's what Zion says. The Lord has forgotten me. Sometimes I believe that we do that. I believe that in our situation, we get down. And like Brian says, you know, um, you know he's feeling kind of... Um, down a little bit about because his, his hands, pain in his hands. And I, I think that happens to us in our situations. And but God wants us to know that that's not, he hasn't forgotten us. He says that, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? The answer is no. Even these may forget, but most parents wouldn't, but even they may forget but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. All your walls are continually before me. So whatever situation you're going through, God has you engraved on the palm of your hand. I don't care what you're going through. He loves you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never Forsake you. And whatever the word says, whether it's in Isaiah, whether it's in uh, Jeremiah, whoever it says, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. Uh, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, and, and are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and, and, and makes it to bring forth and bud, so shall my word be to go forth from my mouth. They shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. I don't care whether it's Isaiah. I don't care where, whether it's Amos. I don't care what prophet it is, what word it is. His word will not return void in your life. 
He's going to do it. You're the apple of his eye. Okay? He's not going to leave you stranded. He's not going to forsake you. He sees your condition. He sees your situation. He's just trying to see whether you're going to trust in him or whether you're going to trust in what you see. He's trying to see whether you're going to believe what he's already spoken or whether you're going to believe the reports that you hear from the enemy. And the enemy will use whoever he, the enemy can. He'll use me. He'll use you. He'll use anybody. He'll use your friends, your relatives. He'll use anybody he can use. But we're not going to listen to the reports of the enemy. We're going to believe the Lord's report. Where is the Lord's report found? In the word of God. So be of good cheer. Whatever you're going through, God is for you.